the menu of the day, Chef Bites at the Kiss Cafe. Kiss 92. Welcome to Chef Bites. It is Charmaine Poir with you of Kiss 92. And with me today, I'm very delighted to have a special guest, uh, Chef Joanne C., who is the head chef of Lola at 22 Ansiang Road and also Asia's Best Female Chef 2023. So thank you so much for your time joining me here today, Joanne. No, thank you for having me, Charmaine. Such a pleasure to join you today. I want to find out all about your culinary journey. It's a very interesting one, isn't it? Tell me more, Chef Joe. This is not actually my first career choice. So I'm one of those, um, you know, like um, career shifters mm-hmm. midway through a corporate career. I was doing marketing branding with Procter & Gamble prior to making the move. You know, But I think my generation was also, you know, the generation that started questioning early on, you know, how can we live a life that is more meaningful to us? So I had what you call um, a quarter-life crisis at some point in time. And that's when I realized, okay, I wanted to do something that I actually enjoy. And I feel like, you know, I give a lot back to the community and to people that I care about by doing. Your job at PNG was in Singapore, is that right? Yes. So I was relocated here straight after uni. And I actually started working here immediately. I was doing corporate for about seven, eight years. And it's during that time that I realized I wanted to do this. So it was then that I decided, okay, I want to give myself a leg up and go to the best school I can afford because I wasn't young when I made the move, you know, like usually you hear about chefs undertaking this journey when they're 13, when they're 15, they start out as dishwashers, they start out like as an apprentice in the kitchen, but I was old and it's a very physical job. So I was very disadvantaged in that sense. So I wanted to give myself an advantage and go to the best school I could afford. And that was when I moved to New York for a while to go to culinary school and of course um, work in the best restaurants that would take me. Working in a different industry for such a long time and and being so brave to take that step, did you give yourself like a couple of years maybe to see whether it would work out or what was your thought process at the time? You would just dive deep, really. I never thought about a plan B. I think that goes with being naive when you're younger too, sometimes. (laughs) You're like, okay, you don't plan for a plan B. You're just, you just go all in. I didn't even consider the financials of it that time, you know, because you're like, okay, you're earning enough from this job. You don't realize that when you make the change, apart from the cost of sending yourself to school, this industry doesn't pay much. So you don't go into this industry to become rich. Mm. You know, it's, it's really a passion thing. But so I never really, really considered that at first, you know, but it's something that comes along as you undertake the journey. And what excites you most about being a chef? Is it, you know, using your hands to create the deliciousness that you serve to people, maybe exploring new ingredients? What is that one thing that makes you the most excited to step into that kitchen every single day? I think it's the connection with the guests. The moments that I love about, you know, like cooking in Lola and being there, you know, during service are those moments when you get to connect and talk to the guests during the meal, after the meal. And it always sounds like you've known each other for quite a while, even if you've only just met each other. <laughs> because food is, you know, the thing that bridges us. And it's amazing how that, it, that happens amongst complete strangers. So that never fails to fascinate me. And that's, I suppose, the aspect of the job and the industry that really attracted me to it. Mm, you know, it's a joy to serve people. I mean, I don't really cook much. I think just cook for my family, but I know exactly mm. what you mean when it comes to that. Now, of course, yes. you are the head chef of Lola, which is located at 22 Ansiang Hill. Could you tell us a little bit more about what Lola is about as a concept? 
So at Lola, we always say that we try to serve the best produce, the best possible way in a casual, fun environment. And that's really what we're all about. You know, um, we don't take ourselves too seriously in the sense that, you know, you can come in, have fun. It's a countertop. You don't have to dress up for an enjoyable meal. But we take the food and the service seriously, you know, to us. Everyone is family and we try to treat everyone as such. And yeah, we try to um, prepare the best food that we can. So I suppose uh, because of the way you're saying it, it's very much a sharing portions kind of place. Yes. And that's how we evolved to as a restaurant. When I joined, I joined like three years back. Mm -hmm. It's always been the bread and butter of the restaurant. Casual service, a la carte dishes that are meant for sharing. We've, of course, elevated it. We now offer a tasting menu that people can enjoy during the weekends. And that's when, you know, we try to put our best foot forward. The best produce still very simply and organically presented, but we try to devote a little bit more time in putting the place together. It's a little bit more composed. You know, we go through the details of the dishes as opposed to a la carte. Sometimes people just want to have like quiet time alone with their family. So we just, you know, like put down the dishes. We say what it is, but we don't go into the details of like every single component of the dish. We don't do that for the tasting too, but we do spend a bit more time telling the stories behind it. But I'm sure if people want to learn more, they can always just ask and you'll be more than willing to share, right? Definitely, because we're just there. It's just a counter that separates the guests and us. So they can actually hear everything that we say when <laughs> people are chatting, when the chefs are talking about, you know, and then, yeah, we can hear each other pretty much. So it makes it more intimate that way. Mm, sounds lovely and cozy. Now, can you tell us a little bit about the dishes that you serve up at Lola? So we do a lot of um, Mediterranean, European dishes that have Asian inspiration. It used to be when we started that it leaned more heavily towards Spanish cuisine, but we've expanded that since and now it's a bit more Mediterranean, a lot of French influence because that's my background and fundamentals. But of course, because of my heritage, I tend to bring a lot of Southeast Asian influence into the cuisine. The dishes sometimes they don't look like they're Southeast Asian, but that's the seed of the inspiration or the idea behind the dish, you know? So we do that often. A lot of the dishes now that we have on the menu are actually named after Asian dishes or Filipino dishes. So we have a sinigang on the menu, which is a type of um, sour broth, sour soup. So we've incorporated these touches in the menu as we've evolved the menu from a purely Spanish-influenced cuisine. You mentioned about the tasting menu earlier on as well. How is that crafted? This one is very personal to me, the tasting menu that we serve. It's very close to my heart, and I try to bring in what I value into the dishes. For example, the menu that we have is very seafood-focused. I think we only have some oils that are animal-based on the menu at the moment, and that's because I grew up in a coastal town very close to the beach. So seafood is something that's always been very close to my heart. And in fact, even when I was going through the ranks, learning from different chefs um, in other countries, I would always gravitate towards a seafood-based, you know, or seafood-focused restaurant. So it's a lot of seafood. And how many dishes are we talking about on the tasting menu? It's probably about 12 to 15 bites. So a mixture of, you know, like small bites and big dishes. Of course, it builds up. So it starts out with small snacks and then it builds up to like bigger portions. 
Um, sometimes it's funny because I guess they see the first bite and they're all like, are these going to be the same size for every course? And they feel like they're not going to get full, you know, but I see the worry in their faces the moment that they see the first bite. But of course, it always ends up, you know, like being either sufficient or too much food, which is better than not enough. That is true. And it's only available on weekends as well. Yes, currently we serve it on Friday, Saturdays. A lot of our regulars who know about what we do know that they can request the tasting menu ahead of time. They just need to give us uh, about two days lead time to prepare for it because a lot of the ingredients are flown in. We get a lot of ingredients from Japan and of course from Europe, from France. The things, just ingredients that I love working with from everywhere in the world, we try to bring those in and make it part of the tasting menu. Mm, and it's not just a tasting menu that really showcases what you have that's special as well. I hear that you've got this upcoming pop-up, uh, Bibik Gourmand's First Supper Club. Tell us how this came about and what you're going to be serving up. So this one came about, initiated, of course, by Evelyn, who is the brains behind this idea. It's a very interesting and novel concept because I don't think it's been done like this before. And it's always so interesting for me to be able to work with people I have a lot of respect for. So both Evelyn and Chef Sun came of Meta. They are people I really look up to. And I jumped into it because I was like, oh, an opportunity finally to work with these two people that I greatly admire. So for this installment, the theme is home cooking. So we take a lot of inspiration from dishes, you know, that we had when Sun and I were growing up. He's preparing a lot of Korean dishes. And I am looking into, you know, dishes I had in the Philippines growing up. So these are the inspiration for the dishes that we're crafting. What we're trying to do is find the commonalities between the two cuisines and see how that gels together on the plate and on the menu. So if you want a taste of uh, Chef Joe's childhood and Chef Sun Kim's as well, I hope you signed up for it because I hear that the seats have already been filled for the event. Uh, are you planning some other pop-ups or events that we can look forward to as well? Um, a few events here and there. So I just did a collaboration with an amazing chef from Hong Kong, Chef Ricardo, a mono restaurant. So we're trying to bring him in for the second installment of that collaboration. We had such a fun time putting it together. We're also going to Korea for an all-female collaboration wow. with Korean chefs. And of course, this year's winner of Asia's 50 Best Female Chef, Chef Pam from Bangkok. So those things are actually what we're looking forward to the most. Of course, after this collaboration with Chef Sun and Evelyn. That's uh, definitely something to look forward to. If there's one thing that you would change about the F&B industry in Singapore, what would it be? I wish that we grew more things here, like locally. In fact, when I came back from all my stages overseas, that was the one thing that I was looking for. And I didn't want to cook anymore because we didn't have that. And it took me a while to get back into the industry, having been so close to, you know, like farmers and producers overseas. I've worked in some farms, spent time picking stuff myself. So that's one thing. I know that the government has this amazing um, vision for 30 by 30. And that's something I look forward to in terms of being able to actually use the products that come out of that initiative. That's definitely something that I hope for as well. Like I mentioned, we've got the food recommendation. Where is that one place in Singapore that you frequent that you rave about? There are two, actually. Mm -hmm. So one is near my neighborhood. It was introduced to me by a couple of friends who frequent that area a lot because they're familiar with this area as well. They live close by. 
One is Pinway um, Hong Kong style Chi Chong Fun mm-hmm. in Pekyo Market. Very old school, very simple, very delicate Chi Chong Fun. They actually make it right in front of you. So there's always a long queue in the morning because people have to wait for that. And the other is a prawn noodle place on Killini Road. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's 87 Killini Road. It's called Tashi Chia Big Prawn Mee. Oh, I've tried that one. Yes, that has, yes, yes, that has yes. a lot of flavor <laughs> packed into one bowl. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I think that's why I like it. It's not very traditional. It's not the usual prawn mee that locals enjoy, but I like it because it fits my palate and everything is like very tasty for me. And I tend to crave that a lot. And when it comes to the chi chong fun that you were talking about earlier, out of curiosity, which flavor do you usually get when you're there? What kind of stuffing do you have inside your chong fun? Just a normal meat stuffing. <laughs> so trust you inside there, is that right? Yes, actually. Because some places do prawns as well. Okay, thank you so much for the recommendation. Before I let you go, where should people go to for the latest on Lola to find out all about the pop-ups, the events that are coming up? Just visit us on our socials. I think our Instagram account, Lola SG, would be the best place and most up-to-date when it comes to the collaborations and all the events that we have lined up. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time, Chef Joe. Thank you so much for having me. Charmaine Poir, behind the counter at Kiss92's Kiss Cafe.